How's everyone doing this morning? Good. I just really felt like, um, you know, I got to share, I guess, a testimony or two that from this past week, um, at, for Valley Christian Academy, that it's now into like its third or fourth week. Um, I don't know, all the days are kind of blurring together as we're running in this. And our teachers are all doing amazing as we've got 30, 31, 32 students that are coming Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday here on campus and being taught. But more than that, one of the first things that when I met with the teachers was academics are great to learn. But more than that, we want our next generation to know their true identity in Christ. And so, and that really came to light this week that our seventh and eighth grade uh, teacher, Miss Keisha, she texted in the group and she said, just so you all know that today during devotion time, one of our kids asked to accept Jesus into their heart for the first time. And I'm reading this text and I'm going, are you serious right now? Like, that is what we do this for. Like, it's worth all the headache, the pain, the, the time we stay up, all these different things. What's most of all is that we see our children give their life to Christ. Because I can't take anything else with me to heaven besides my kids. I can't take anything else with me to heaven besides the next generation. And I'm telling you, me and my wife are doing our best and we're toiling and we're sweating and we're, 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 we're digging in the ground so that our kids are in, in the Sunday school department and the youth group so that they get the chance to experience Jesus. So that they get the chance to experience the glory of the Father that he validates them in their heart to remind them that no matter what they go through, they know they are truly sons and daughters of the Most High Living God. And it's like that's been our heartbeat and our, and our, and our, and our prayer is I just want to see him move in our next generation. And not just our next generation, but even now. You know, on Wednesday night I was preparing for youth group and every Wednesday they come in now, we do like little bracelets for them and we write all kinds of different things on them. And, and the most thing we always write is just tribe on it. And I just really started to pray as we were coming into Wednesday night. Another testimony I'll tell you about. As we were coming into Wednesday night, I just really started to pray. And next thing I know, I'm writing revival, revival, revival across all of their bracelets because it's a revival now generation. I just don't believe anymore that it's just, it, we'll just wait till the next generation and they'll experience revival. We'll just wait till they get old enough and they'll experience it. No, I want to experience it right here, right now, that my kids or these kids in the youth group begin to experience revival now. Revival happening right now, right where they're at, right where they're, right in the middle of their schoolroom, right in the middle of math class, right in the middle of devotion. I want our kids, our young people to experience revival now. And, and, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't take it lightly and we don't, we, we stay up late at night, you know, as youth leaders, that's like one of the first things that they tell you about is that you're going to stay up late at night because you're going to be in the gym hanging out with the kids or you're going to be texting and, and laughing with them. But the biggest thing that keeps us up as night is like, God, our prayer is I want to see the glory of God fall onto our young people. I want them to experience it so heavy that they just can't walk without knowing you're right there next to them. I want them to experience it so much and so hard that when they get up in the morning, 
praying. They just can't help but their first words out of their mouth are praise and worship unto God. And it's like, and that's what we preach and teach and we do. But every, but we've got to get it inside of our hearts that we live it out every single day. That we live it out in this moment to be able to experience Jesus and all that he's got for us. You know, another thing this Wednesday, we had a couple of our young people went down to School of the Prophets um, in Redding, California. Um, yes, I said it. A couple of our young people went down to School of the Prophets in Redding, California. And it was so cool. It was Ruth and Lucy. They, they, um, I had them come in a little bit early so they could give me a quick rundown of what we were going to have them testify and lead us in an activation. So we wanted just to hear what they had to say. And poor things, they're having to like go through their go through their notes as me and Pastor Ezzy are sitting there trying to scarf down our, you know, our, our burrito real fast. And, um, but they started talking. It was just so amazing to see these girls just, you know, 14, 15 right in there, just coming alive with the glory of God that's been into their hearts and in their minds. And I said, great, now you're going to do it to the young people, you know, and that's what we had them for. And I said, you're going to lead the devote, or lead an activation. You're going to lead an activation. Young people leading young people. And so they get up there, they start doing their testimony, and they did such an amazing job. I'm telling you, they did great. And it was so cool to see. And then it came time for activation as they were going to do. And we had 31 kids, um, 30, 31, 32, because we make them sign in as they, as they come through for youth group. And we had 31 kids partnering up, 32, because some of the leaders had to jump in, partner up with these young people, and they had to sit and experience and listen for the voice of God. We, we, our youth group goes from 12 to 18. And a lot of times when I started meeting with them, I said, how did that go? Was that easy? Was that difficult? Um, you know, was it, was it kind, of, kind of crazy? Was it a little weird? And we got all kinds of different, you know, responses. But I got a couple of responses that were like, I didn't know I could hear God like that. One of our young people, she believes um, full-heartedly that she sees God working. She's like a seer. She can see God doing things. She can look into the room and see angels and demons, and she can see all these things. But she said, I just want to hear. I want to hear from you. And her word that she got as children were laughing, and she could hear it. Because when she asked the Father to do something, when she asked the Father, if it be in his will, let me hear it. I just don't want to see it to prove that he is good, to prove that he is God. And he did it for her right there at the end of a Wednesday night. We're all tired. We're all sweaty from playing basketball. We're hungry. And yet here is this young person crying out to God that I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want to know what you have to say. And I hope and pray that, that that has been like my heartbeat this whole entire week for each and every one of us is that, God, I just want to know you more. I just want to know you more. Would you, I, I, this is going to be so different today because I feel like I've, all, I've, I've had so many different things going on in my head and, and, and just trying to focus in on what God's trying to say. But the thing I just kept going over last night is I spent an hour and a half of just standing in the middle of my living room saying, I can't do this without you. And I just, it's not about just getting up here and standing in front of you, which we can do because we can find the talents to speak in front of people and we can get the giftings and callings. But more than that, God, I just don't want to move without you. I just don't want to move without your presence. Would you just close your eyes and, and put your hands out again? I just, I know, it, I know it's been your heartbeat too because we can feel it. As pastoral staff, we meet 
all the time and we talk about the hunger that's coming and we can feel it coming from the people but I feel like this morning it's not just a hunger but I want to be filled up this morning and I just want to be filled enough and just to be able to top me off or cap me off but Lord I want it to be an overflow this morning I want it to be an overflow that the person on my left and the person on my right gets the overflow of your glory because I'm sure they came in with their heartache and pain and I'm sure they're coming in with their own, with their own uh, guilt and shame or they've got their own things, problems and situations. But this morning, God, we just want more of you. Jesus, we just want more of you. Holy Spirit, I just want you to have your way because I want it to be your presence and not my plan. I want it to be your presence and not my plan. Come on, would you just begin to just open up your mouth and let's just speak to him. Come on, all across this room, it's you and him now. Jesus. 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 You know, it's a, there's this amazing, it's an amazing verse that I wanted to share with you guys. It's not even a part of my notes and we haven't even started yet. But Joshua, um, I think it's chapter just one. You don't have to put it up on the screen. It's okay. But Joshua chapter one, verse number nine, it says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is, is with you wherever you go. This is my command. Be strong and create, courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I feel like this next season of, of our lives or this next season of what what's coming about, especially for the church. There's so many things that are coming maybe against us and we're having to now walk in, and walk to the beat of his drum rather than anybody else's drum. You know what I mean? And we're going to have to walk to the beat of his drum of what he has to say. But I feel like a lot of times, and this is myself included, I'm not, please, I'm not saying this to come down on anybody. I'm saying this for myself included. But I think that verse has to ring true in our hearts and in our minds that we've got to be strong and courageous because, because everywhere we go, everywhere we go, we have got to bring the presence of God with us because he wants to be with us. But I think more than just being with us is he wants to live and breathe inside of us. More than just being there as, as we would maybe um, something that we, we call on when we need or, or he's just there, you know, when, when, when we absolutely have no one else to turn to. No, more than that, he's the very the soul of my existence. He's the very innermost being within me that, that it's his breath that I breathe and it's his heartbeat that I have and, and, it, and it's his thoughts that I have. And, and speaking of thoughts, that's, you know, having the mind of Christ to be transformed, that we think on everything that is good and holy and pure and righteous, that we can have, present our bodies as living sacrifices to present the perfect will of God and not just in my life, but for everybody else around me. 
that when they look at me, they will not see me, but they'll see him. And, 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 and that might get kind of difficult to say, and that might get kind of hard, because especially like, you know, in the youth group, it's like, it's nice to get a pat on the back. Hey, you're doing a great job, or all these things. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. But ultimately, am I doing it for that, or am I doing it so that God gets all the glory? When, I, when you walk into work, am I trying just to get a download so that I can be able to speak to my bosses or just so that they can recognize me or am I doing it because the kingdom of heaven wants to invade my workplace? The kingdom of heaven wants to invade my boss and the kingdom of heaven wants to invade my coworkers. The kingdom of heaven wants to invade our schools and invade, invade our cars, invade our restaurants. It's like every time we get the chance to go out to eat, we get the opportunity to be evangelists, to speak, to be able to speak into someone's lives because we want to see through heaven's eyes that I want to be a carrier of his presence. I want to be a carrier of his presence. I want to be a carrier of his presence. Sorry, I just feel, it's, it's weird. <laughs> just feel like you guys are like, we're back in my living room, so we're just going to kind of go with it, okay? So stay with me. But I just want to be a carrier of his presence. You know, I was thinking about it last night, and man, we really should probably get into this, but I was thinking about it last night that my kids were were sound asleep and it was like the Lord started to speak to me that they don't have to worry about anything they don't have to worry about anything when they go to sleep at night they know that dad's already done the check of the house that dad's already gone through well in fact I think my back door was unlocked but that's okay Um, but they don't have to worry about it when they get up in the morning mom and dad have already cleaned the kitchen We've already, we've already prepared the breakfast. All they had to do was just, was just be a child. And I started thinking, isn't that true to have childlike faith? That it doesn't mean that I've now got to revert back to childhood in my mind, but it means that I get to have down in my heart knowing that I just get to sleep well at night because dad's got it all. It means that I don't have to worry anymore or I don't have to have anxiety. And don't get me wrong, these things still come at you and they still, they still taunt you. They still try to jump on top of you. But it's when we start to walk in true identity that I am a son of God. I walk in that authority. I don't have to be, I don't have to be afraid because I know dad's got it all. And I feel like this morning that's the exact same thing, that our heavenly father has it all. And that can be hard to say, especially if you had a bad dad or if you're like myself, that your dad died when you were younger. That can be difficult to say. But I promise you this morning, I know without a doubt that he wants to show himself real to each and every one of you. Because I know if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Oh, Pastor Tim, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't. You don't understand my heartache and pain. I don't. But I do know who does. I do know who does. Because I'm telling you, he's met me at 12 years old after losing my father and standing at the altar saying, are you kidding me, God? Come on. 
And right there in them, just knowing and feeling and breathing him in at that very moment. And I know that if he can do it for a 12-year-old boy that has, been with, that has been with me every single day, he can be with each and every one of you. That when you leave this place, it's not about just coming and hearing another cool sermon or hearing, hearing more worship songs or being together. But it's literally about, am I going, I want to feel the glory of God. That he fills me up to overflow. That when I leave this place, I spill out onto everyone I know. And it's not just me spilling out, but it's him spilling out onto them. A lot of times it's not even about us sitting there preaching on the street corner, which is great. And that's awesome if you do so. I'm behind you 100%. But a lot of times it's just about giving that encouraging word to someone that, that you're just passing by. Then we see somebody starting to struggle. We know, hey, we know where you can go. Hey, I've got the right answer for you. And I found it. And his name is Jesus. Of who he can be and what he can do. Jesus. Like I said, I, I guess I don't need to, I don't want to apologize for the Spirit of God. I don't. So it's going to be, it, again, it's a little different than what we probably are, what I'm normally accustomed with, you guys. But the Lord started to kind of walk me through Exodus. And we're going to start with, with verse, excuse me, chapter 13, Exodus 13, and starting with verse 17. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And it says, and I, all I've got is these verses, I, and you can tell it's probably a little different because I normally carry my tablet, but I just want to read to you from from the actual paper Bible. That's okay. And it, and it says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with, the battle, with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout, roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. These verses started to kind of hit me because I, when you start to think about the children of Israel crossing over the Red Sea, we automatically in our mind, it's like we go back to the prince of Egypt from, you know, from the movie and we start thinking of the cartoon. But yet it was like the Lord started to reveal certain things last night of, of what really was happening, and there were some things that we may have missed um, because of, of a preconceived notion in our mind, and yet here it is where it says where Pharaoh finally said, I'm going to let the people go, but God didn't lead them along the way that they probably should have. The shortest path is he led them along the way that's going to be a little bit different and a little bit out of the norm because he said if, if things start to come their way, they're automatically going to say, I had it better in Egypt, and they're going to try to go back. 
How many times in our comfort zone, as we get kind of pushed or twisted or turned or pulled out of, that we start to, we, we start to get a little nervous and we automatically revert back to our comfort zone that we may think that we know best? It's the same thing in our lives when we get stressed out or, or the enemy tries to distract us. It's like we always think we have to run back to that sin when yet the whole entire time it's not about running back to that sin, but it's about running full pace and full force into the arms of God. It's, 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 it's sitting here, the Bible says that he led them in a way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea because he already knew what he was going to do for them. He already knew what he was going to do. And I love this portion. It says, Israel left Egypt like an army ready for battle. I've never saw that part before, even though it's been there this whole entire time. I've never seen that part before because it started to remind me that you and I are preparing for battle. That you and I are preparing for a battle that's taking place in our minds and our hearts. And not just in my mind and in our hearts and in my heart, but I know also in my kids' mind and in my kids' heart as well. I know that the battle obviously is not mine, but it belongs to the Lord. But I have to be able to give it over to him. I have to be able to let go of the control that I think I need to have. I can be like, Lord, take it all. And he's like, I'm trying, but it's still in your arms. And when they left this, they said, I wanna, they're going to leave Egypt like an army ready for battle. Every time the Lord brings us to something, he's preparing you to be like an army ready for battle. Every time that we get up in the morning and we spend time with the Lord or, or whatever your morning routine is, remind yourself that this morning I'm going to battle. And I'm putting on his armor, his strength, his anointing, his calling. I'm doing it his will and not my own. That it's not what, what, what I want, but it's more, Lord, of what you want. Verse 21, it says, the Lord went ahead of them. Come on. The Lord went ahead of them. The Lord goes ahead of you. The Lord goes ahead of you. Did you catch that? It says, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. Like, we're going to hit 22, but it's like, he did something to completely defy the laws of everything they knew at that moment. Because what they knew they had to do was either carrying their own shade or having a leader in front of them to lead and guide them, or they had to carry their own fire to try to help them see at night. But yet what, what, the, what the Lord ends up doing here is he went ahead of them, he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. They were not limited by their own physical, uh, physical restraints. They were not limited by what uh, they knew of at that moment, but what they now had was limitless traveling ability because of the supernatural, what God was doing in their life. Because ultimately, he was leading and guiding them, and as long as he is leading and guiding us, he is going to allow us to be able to walk in that supernatural authority or royalty that he has for each and every one of us. 
That as long as we put him first, and I know that's, that, that's, that's something that we always try to say is, God, I want you to be first. But no, in reality, as long as we put him first, he promises to always lead us and guide us in all truth. He promises to always be there and to comfort us, that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Forsaken means to abandon. He's never going to abandon us. He's never going to leave us on the street corner and say, now you got to figure it out. But it's something that he's going to do to provide light, provide shelter, provide shade, to always be enough in your life if we allow him to lead and guide us in everything that we do. Does that make sense a little bit? So 22, it says, the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud, um, the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Here's another thing. You've got to keep looking forward. You've got to keep looking forward. Well, it's into the unknown. I don't know. It's into these areas. I don't, I don't have no clue what to do or how to do it or, or I don't know where he's leading me and guiding me. Good. Because I know as long as his word is leading and guiding me, he's never going to leave me alone. He's never going to abandon me. But also, too, I've got to keep looking forward. At times, we will miss it because we're constantly looking behind us rather than the goodness of God that's in front of us. We'll miss it at times because we get focused on what's behind us rather than focused on what's in front of us. We say that in parenting classes a lot, or we say that when we're reading, you know, self-help books or whatever it may be, when we're, when we're trying to see all these things, and it's always telling us to have a vision, but I think that's great to have. I do. I, I'm behind it. I, I agree with it. Yes, we should have vision, because the Bible tells us without vision, the people perish. But I think more than just a vision, it has to be a vision of God. It has to be a vision that comes from him. That when I look into the future, I know that it's what he sees and what he thinks. And that's, and, and, and that's something that we have to get to as a fun, fundamental thing in our life to understand that God is good all the time, every day, through every circumstance, that God is good to each and every one of us. Verse four, uh, chapter 14, starting with verse number three, it says, then Pharaoh will, will think the is, okay, so wait, let me give context. A couple verses back, the Lord's giving instruction to Moses, and he says, you're going to order the Israelites to turn from one camp, and you're going to go camp in this other area, which a name I can't even pronounce, and you're going to go camp between this other one, and then you're going to park at the Red Sea across from this other city that literally means the God of the north. And so he's telling them, and one of the translations of one of these city names that they're going to have to be next to is like, the mouth of the gorges. That's like you're going to have to be next to this thing that could swallow you up and spit you out. You're going to be next to this other one. So you're stuck between like one thing that's going to swallow you up, spit you out. You're going to stand in between this other one that's going to be a tall uh, pillar or like a, a part out of the ground. So it's like this wall that you're not going to be able to climb over. And then you're going to park at the Red Sea and you're going to be across from the God of the North. Like, how encouraging is that? Yes. He's leading me to destroy me. Like, in my mind, right? Like, that's what you'd be thinking. Like, what is he doing? I mean, have you ever asked that question to God? Like, be real. Like, God, what are you doing? You know? And the whole entire time, and, the is and, and, the, and Pharaoh's army's behind me. So really, like, are you leading me for destruction? And this is where in verse 3 it says, 
the, he, he, tells, he tells Moses the Israelites are going to do this, and then he says in verse 3, then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. Yes! Once again, Pharaoh's going to chase after me. I love it. I have planned this. Okay, so here's the Lord talking. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. The Israelites camped where they were told. I think it's great to see and to know that not only did, did he, is he going to make, like not only is it going to be a confusion that, God, I don't know what you're doing, but he's also going to now put that and make that think to my enemy that, hey, they have no clue what they're doing. Like, no, really, I don't. <laughs> but yet, here's the thing where he says that Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused and they're trapped in the wilderness. You see, because now the Lord's controlling the thoughts of the enemy. And all I had to do was camp where he told me. All I had to do was stop when he said stop. All I had to do was take the step when he said take the step. And yet the Bible tells me that he's going to control the thoughts, that he's going to make the enemy so confused, he's not going to know which way is up. And that should be encouraging to each and every one of us to know that God's got me so much that he makes my enemies confused. All I've got to do is camp in his presence. All I've got to do is camp on the word that he's given me. All I've got to do is set up shop and to know that he, he's got me. And he's going to make my enemies confused. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what's around us, what's on either side, what's in front of us, what's behind us, what matters most of all is where am I pitching my tent at? What matters most of all is where am I placing myself? Am I placing myself in the word of God or am I placing it in my own will, agilities, and abilities? Or am I really placing it with him and what he wants to do in my life? Does that make sense a little bit? Okay. So we're going to jump to verse 10. I told you, we're just going to kind of read. Is that okay? We're just going to kind of go through this. But there's some things I want to kind of just highlight to you. My, my whole entire chapter is like highlighted, but... We're going to read basically the whole chapter for you. Or I am, I guess. You're going to read along with me. And it says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Ain't that something? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you panic? Because a couple of verses before that, it says that Pharaoh took 600 of his best chariots, of his best army, and he also took the rest of all the chariots. I mean, the Bible just says 600 of his best. And then he turned around and said, but I'm going to take the rest of the army too. And so it's like, and Israel, as they see that Pharaoh's approaching, they looked up and panicked, and they saw them overtaking them. They weren't even there yet. They weren't even there yet, and they're already saying they're overtaking me. How many times have we lost the battle before the battle's even been started? 
We've lost the battle because we didn't camp in the right word of where we were supposed to be at. We lost the battle because we felt like, again, we could do it of our own, and all of a sudden, everything else, where what the Lord has already led us through, we forget all that. And I say we because I include myself right there with you. Like, I mean, Isaiah got sick uh, a couple months ago, and he ended up in the ER, and we didn't know what was going on with him. I mean, he's spiking a huge fever, and he, he didn't have COVID, and, and all these things were going on. And I mean, I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm starting to be like, God, and, and I, all of a sudden, what came out of my mouth was like, please don't take my son. And I stopped and I said, no, wait a minute, what? No, I proclaim healing into that, into that hospital room over my son. It shifted from, I think the enemy's already taken him out, to wait a minute, I serve an amazing God. What, it matters what we think about. It matters who we listen to. It matters to the voice that I allow to talk to me that am I going to, to, to set up camp in the presence of God or am I going to start closing up shop because the enemy has already, already overtaken me? Um, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Come on, Moses. Are you serious right now? Why did you bring us to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? They have already spoken death over themselves. Like we should be back in Egypt and die. Like there's enough graves for you. What have you, well, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Why did you make us leave our comfort zone? Why did you make us leave the area that I was good in, I was okay with, I was comfortable in? Why did you bring me out just to try? Uh, why did you bring me out um, to this place that I have no idea and I have nowhere to go but to be able to trust in the Lord? You know what I mean? Why did you bring me to a place that now I can't rely on my own strengths and abilities, but now I have to actually rely on God? Right? I mean, think about it for a moment. Like, you want me to go back to Egypt? You want me to go back to slavery? You want me to go back to the sin that you already delivered me from? And yet, you know, I, I, I mean, I should have been there. Instead, you're out here having me die in this desert. Like, come on, Moses. You know, what were you thinking? It said, um, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? They're still complaining? Come on. It said, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptian. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Whoa. I mean, I, I can't like completely come down on the children of Israel because I think in my mind I might have had the same thing. You know what I mean? We start doing like a family walk uh, out by Lake Lowell and, you know, after a couple of minutes, my kids are like thinking, like calling me Moses, you know, like, why did you bring us out here to die at Lake Lowell, you know? And it's like, we're just walking, you know? <laughs> and the whole entire time, my kids are like, you know, freaking out that they have no water and they need a Pepsi and all kinds of things. It just gets weird. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I should... Stay on point, stay on point. And so, it says they would rather be slaves in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I'd rather stay alive in my comfort zone 
than to actually fail in the presence of God for what he's called me to do. And yet I feel like that's kind of a call to action for each and every one of us, that I would rather fail walking with him than to stay in the boat or the comfort zone that I found myself in. We got to let that sink in for a moment. It's like I would rather be in his presence than to stay in the comfort zone, to stay in Egypt. I'd rather die in the presence of God than to go back into slavery with Egypt. It's kind of heavy, huh? But here's Moses' response. Good job, Moses. Verse 13, it says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, easy for you to say, Moses. Like, let's be real, right? That'd be like our response. Easy for you to say, Moses, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Oh, man. Verse 14 says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay Calm. Don't get upset. Don't get crazy. Don't start complaining, but just stay calm a moment. Because if I can stay calm, the Lord will fight the battle. But he can't fight it when I'm trying to swing at it as well. There are a lot of times that we end up We're trying to, yes, the Lord needs to do it, and he does, and we're going to get to those verses here in a second. The Lord will do it for me, and a lot of times he'll also call me to action that I've got to do it too. But right here in the midst of everything else, the first reaction should be, I've got to stay calm because the Lord's going to fight my battle for me. I've got to stay calm because the Lord is the one who's going to bring back the, 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 the sons and daughters that have walked away from this house. And I'm not saying just this house, but I've walked away from the Lord. I've got to stay calm because I could look at my finances and trying to figure it all out and we're about to go negative in the bank and we're going to get all these extra charges. I don't know what we're going to do and how are we going to pay for this and how are we going to pay for that. That was like a normal conversation for me and my wife that I would sit there and complain and be like, babe, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know what we're going to do. And you know what she told me? This was a couple years ago we were doing this because she, she corrected me and we haven't walked in that since then. And she, she turned around and she told me, she said, But if you look at it, hasn't he always been enough for us? Haven't you always seen that he's always come through? Did we always have more? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes it was a lot of beans and rice and it was a lot of spaghetti. But we knew that he was always enough for us. And the exact same way here that we learn that we don't have to be afraid because it's God who's going to fight our battle for us. It's like, it's like getting ready for a fight that I'm already going to win because I'm never going to step foot into the ring. Does that make sense? I'm never going to step foot into that ring. Will I have to at times? Totally. Will he make me at times? Yes. Will I get hit at times? Yes. But I know this, 
that when it's the Lord that fights the battle, there's always going to be victory. Rather, he shows up beforehand, rather he has, he shows up in me and through me that gives me the strength to battle on, or rather he does the victory at the very end. Number one thing is, it's always going to be the Lord. And it cannot be of my own accord. It cannot be of my own strength. Okay, we got to go. We got to keep reading. Does that make sense a little bit? So he tells them, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Okay, cool. Then it says, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Tell the people to get moving. Why are you still continuing to cry about it? I already said I'm going to fight your battle. You've got to move now. You've got to move. There's some action that you're going to have to do. He says, so then he tells, tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. He tells Moses, it's now your turn. Raise up your hand so that you can divide. And here's what really hit me while I was studying for this. The same division and confusion that the enemy was trying to bring onto me, now the Lord's saying, you're going to bring it onto the situation in front of you that's going to cause the seed to, to, to spread, and you're going to walk on dry ground. That division that's trying to now torment me, destruct me, distract me, I get to now raise my hands in praise because before victory's ever won, it's going to first start with me giving thanks to God. It's going to first start with my prayer, my, 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 my lips acknowledging that it is you who I want. Am I going through struggles and trials? Totally. But I know that if I raise my hands, he is going to bring victory and divide because division was trying to come to me. But I'm going to proclaim division over the thing that's in front of me. Here's, here's, can I stop here for a moment and tell you this? That division is so strong in our nation today. <clears throat> That division is trying to torment us and to divide even the body of Christ. But I'm telling you, we have got to take authority that he has already given us in the word of God that division will no longer be in our house, but division will now be on the one that speaks it. It is not going to be over me anymore. I am going to push back because I know the Lord will provide. The Lord will fight my battle. All I've got to do is camp out in him and speak the word. That division came over my house, but division's leaving and going over the person that spoke it. You have got to, I'm telling you, I say we. i got to say we because myself included. We have got to get where we understand it is the Lord who provides. It is the Lord who takes care of. It is the Lord who will be there. It is the Lord who will end up making a way. It is the Lord who will end up dividing the seas. It was the Lord who will, who will dry up the ground. It's the riverbed. It's the seabed. It's supposed to be wet. It's supposed to be full of moss. It's supposed to be full of fish. It's supposed to be full of all these things in front of me. But yet the Lord said, Moses, if you would simply... Focus in on me and stretch out your hand that I'm going to divide that very thing that you thought was going to conquer you. You know, division is such a a tactic from the enemy. I have to stop. I'm sorry. Division is such a tactic from the enemy. Me and Pastor Matthew actually were just talking about this just a couple nights ago. That division is so hard that we end up coming against each other sometimes on some of the things that we may not we may feel like 
we may feel that it's a conviction to us and we end up dividing ourselves rather than uniting for the purpose of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, what should be preached, ultimately what we should be doing, ultimately what we should be saying is that it's the gospel of Jesus, that he saves, delivers, and sets free. Of my own things, I don't know, but I know this. I know that when you get Jesus into your heart, he might, he's gonna change up some ways that we think. And I say we. He's gonna change up that am I really focused in on what he wants to do or am I more focused on the sea or am I more focused on the problem? Am I more focused on the division? Am I more focused on the people on the right or the people on the left? Am I more focused on Pharaoh's army behind me or am I more focused on Jesus and what he wants to do in my life? Okay, let's move on. 17, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. I want to read to you these verses just because we're, we're, we're cutting short on time and I want to make sure that we get out of here as well. And so just read these, these last few verses here. It says that I'm the Lord. In verse 19, then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the, between the Egyptian and Israel camp is Israelite camps, excuse me, as darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night, but the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up the path through the water with a strong east wind, with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turned the seabed into dry ground. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on the dry ground with walls of water on each side. With walls of water on each side. See, here's this perspective again, that when we're walking through, all we're, we could focus in on the wall of water, or we could really be focusing in that he's caused us to walk on dry ground. So many miracles, so many things he was doing, so many, so many great things. I mean, it would be pretty awesome to see, right? You know, it'd be like one of those aquarium things that like, the sharks all swim over you. And, you know, you can like reach up and it looks like you're going to touch them, but there's a glass between you and them. Thank you, Jesus. You know? And it's like, that's kind of my mind's picture is like this aquarium. But I think with that is that sometimes we can lose focus on the dry ground that we're walking on. We can lose focus on the holy ground that he's provided. We can lose focus on the way of escape that he has given us. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, charioteers, based them in the, or chased them into the middle of the sea. Yes, they still continue to follow me even though I'm walking on dry ground. Yes. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making 
their chariots difficult to drive. Then this is what the Egyptians shouted. They said, let us get out of here away from the Israelites. The Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. All I had to do was walk on dry ground. All I had to do was walk through the aquarium and just keep focusing in on him. And yet he, told, he threw my enemy into complete confusion. I mean, he said he was going to do it before. He was going to make them start thinking something they weren't supposed to be thinking in the first place and be messed up. Then they started to follow me because they thought they could follow me through what the Lord had already provided. And the Lord said, that's great. That's not going to happen. So he started to twist up their wheels. He started to make them, uh, make them come against each other. He started to uh, uh, make it difficult for them to even drive. When all Israel had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. Here's the thing. So if it began with worship, it's got to end with worship. If it begins with me raising my hand saying, God, I have no clue how you're going to do this. Then it's also got to end with, Lord, I thank you that you made a way out of no way. Because, right, because it's easy to raise our hands in the beginning saying, God, you really need to help me. But it's more difficult on the other side because it's almost like we forget at times. Like we're just so thankful for the victory that we just walk away from it. It's like the leopards when they got healed from Jesus and they all walked away. But one turned right back around and came back and worshiped at his feet because he realized it wasn't just of something that had been done or all this crazy miracle. But what it actually had done is he had met with Jesus and he wanted to come back and be with him. That would be my thing, would be like, am I always positioning myself to come back to thank the Father for what he has already done? Not just at my dinner table, because that's easy to do. When I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this food. Bless the Lord, you know, bless the hands that made it. Amen. And we start eating. Or is it really that, Lord, I really thank you for the victory that you brought me through, victory that you brought me to, for the water that you had me walk through, for, for, the, for the dry ground that I got to step on, or am I really thankful for the confusion that you brought to my enemy. And I love this part. It says, so as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the waters rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. I don't care how tough your situation is, and I get it. We've been through some tough things these last couple years. We've seen some deaths in our family. We've seen some, some healings that maybe didn't take place. There's been some things that have really started to come against us and really start to hurt us and hurt me. I can say myself included that there's been some times that I've really had to focus in, but I really had to know that at the beginning of each day, I've got to raise my hand over the sea. I've got to raise my hand in worship and saying, Lord, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And he swept them out to sea um, and so the water went back to its usual place. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariot and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. All the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. Not a single demon will ever survive in the presence of God. Not a single sickness will ever survive in the presence of God. Not a single wall, a single chain, a, a single heartache, a single pain, a, a, single, a single anxiety and single worry can ever resist it. But what it, again, it starts with my heart posture that am I going to give it to God? Am I going to camp in his presence or am I going to continue to worry and fret and all of a sudden start picking up stakes and take off and run? 
Am I really going to give it over to God or am I going to try to keep control of it as much as possible? But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptian washed on the seashore when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians. They were filled with awe before him and they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. When they saw all that he had done, their faith was put back in the Lord. But yet maybe earlier in that chapter there, and I think it had to say in their faith went back into the Lord and into their servant Moses, into his servant Moses, because right, we read a couple of verses before that they were starting to now condemn Moses because how dare you bring us to this wilderness? How dare you bring us to a place outside of our comfort zone? But yet they saw the goodness of God when they stepped outside of their Egypt. They saw the goodness of God when they stepped outside what they always felt was the comfortable place for them. And I don't know what your comfortable place is. I know where mine is. I know what mine is. Where a lot of times when the enemy tries to come at me, I know the first thing I want to do is revert back to that comfort zone because I'm comfortable there. Wait a minute. Maybe you're a little, it is true. I'll back up. Hold up. You don't got to do that to me. You know what I mean? Uh, The enemy's attacks are getting a little too strong. But yet, isn't that, shouldn't that be a sign to us that we're walking into the right area? Shouldn't it be a sign to each and every one of us that I'm walking into truth because I know if there's a little bit of resistance that the enemy's trying to come at me? Because it, with a little bit of resistance, I'm built up more. I can more be prepared like the Lord's army that I'm really called to be. Because it's not always about lifting the weights, but a lot of times it comes into resistance training. You add a little bit more, you add a little bit more, you add a little bit more. The resistance that the enemy tries to do against each and every one of us is always going to be tough. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be trying to come at you every single way. But here's here's the hope, because I'm not just going to paint a picture of doom and gloom. Here's the hope of it, though. The Bible says that if we submit ourselves to God and we resist the enemy, he will flee from us. It first starts with us putting our tent and submitting to God and the word that he has for us. And then we can resist. But I'll never have the true power and I'll never have the true ability or agility to be able to do it on my own unless I first say your will be done and not my own, God. And then when I resist the enemy of what he's trying to do in my life, that's when chains are going to be broken. That's when hearts will be mended. That's when marriages will be put back together. That's when, when heartache and pain gets, gets all fixed up. That's when our wounds get, get healed up. That's when we get a bandage on us to be able, that's when we get loved on, when we feel hopeless, when we feel unloved or insecure. That's when he begins to come when I first say it's your will and not mine. And I have to say that every day. Oh, Pastor Tim, you're a pastor. That's easy for you. No, it, it's, it's difficult. It, it's still, it's, I still have my own my own ways that I feel like I should be doing things or I should be, this is how it should be done. But yet, am I really going to put my faith in myself or am I going to put it in God? And I don't know, you know, again, it's a little different for me this morning and it probably is a little different for you, but I know this, that I know that if I, if I place my face pointed in the right direction, 
that I can't lose because I know who's in front of me. I can't lose because I know what he's going to do. And then we saw where he turned around when the enemy tried to come up against from the backside that the, that the Lord turned around, the angel of the Lord turned around and, and went and stood at the back. So ultimately he's got my back, he's got my front, he's got my sides. So why should I be afraid? So the next time today or tomorrow or the next day, whenever the enemy tries to come at you this coming week, I want you to remind yourself that he can't. He can't do it because if he's already lost one battle, he's going to lose another one. I know if he's already lost this battle, he's going to lose another one. And, 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 and life has a way of trying to keep us down. And, and the enemy has a way of trying to confuse us. And the enemy has a way of trying to, to distract us. But yet, if my eyes can just stay focused on the one true prize, and that's Jesus Christ. If my focus can just stay on him, everything else will be okay. It says that we first have to, in Matthew, it says we first have to seek him, to seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. You can't have all these things if you never first give it all to him in the beginning. So today you may have walked in with any situation, any problem, financial need, marriage need, kid problem with the kids, the grandkids, the car, um, everything. I mean, we can, we can go down this huge list. But I felt like what really needed to be reminded today is not how big Pharaoh's army was, but what really needs to be reminded today is how big our God is. What really needs to be reminded today was not my problem or situation that I'm going through my own personal hell, but what really needs to be reminded is that the Lord provides a way of escape. The Bible tells us that no temptation has come to us, but it's not been already common to men, but he already provides an escape, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. That's through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, if I got to be a kid and I've got to hold his hand the whole entire time, I'm going to do it. If I've got to be, if I've got to sit next to him, to sit there and have him just, just, just talk with me, that's, that's what I'm going to have to do. Because a lot of times it's about the close, how close of the proximity am I really to him. All these things are going around about me, Pastor Tim, but I'm not really praying like I should or I'm not really reading my word like I should. Hey, there's, there's something we can start with. Maybe we can start to pray together. We can be talking together. We can be reading the word together. And that's the thing that I've noticed even in my own life. The first thing, the first check that comes up is, Am I really giving it to God or am I trying to do it myself? Like I said, this has just been things on my heart as we've been, as we've been um, going throughout the year. But it's like, am, am I really doing his will or am I just trying to make it fit to mine? Am I really doing what he's called me to do or am I just doing what I feel like I'm called to do? And so this morning, I really, I really want you guys to remember that in this coming week, let it be that we be like the children of Israel, right? The, the sons of God, the daughters of God, that we walk in our kingdom authority that he has given to each and every one of you through his son, Jesus Christ. That he's already paved the way. He's already given us the victory. All we have to do is walk in it. All we've got to do is walk on that dry ground. So when you walk into your house this week, let it be dry ground. When you walk into, into your workplace this week, let it be on dry ground. 
When you walk into your school this week, let it be on dry ground. When I, when I walk into the restaurant, let it be on dry ground. That God, you are going to have your way every place I go. You're going to have your way in every situation and every problem I want it to be that it ultimately brings glory to you. Because whether you answer with a yes or a no or a maybe or you don't answer at all, God, I know that our, your glory ultimately needs to be shown in this circumstance, in this situation. So would you close your eyes and put your hands out? Like I said, I know I, it's different, but I know that it's something that the Lord really wants to do this morning. That's to set some people free. To really set you free that you don't have to walk. You don't have to go back to Egypt. I'm here to tell you, it's not better back at Egypt. I'm here to tell you, there's such a loving God. But today is your day that you get to choose. Will, will I stay on, in Egypt? Will I stay in, on this side? Will I, will I continue to stay in my comfort zone? Or God, am I going to give you everything this morning? Am I going to give it all to you? And that way, you are the one who fights my battles. You are the one who brings victory over victory over victory over victory. You never lose. You never lose. You're the ultimate champion. So, Father, I just say over each and every person's mind and heart, let it be that we, we, we don't want to go back to Egypt, but we want to be the mighty army that you have called us to be. We want to be your hands and your feet, just as your son, Jesus Christ, was. We want to be the one that speaks into life into people. We want to be able to pray for somebody this week. We want to be able to speak life into someone's, into someone's life this week. We want to be able to speak into someone's heart and mind because it, I just don't want it to be my words, but I want it to be your words. I want it to be what you have to say that when we leave this place, there is going to be such an anointing on each and every one of us that it is not time for us to retreat, but it's time for us to move forward in the kingdom of God. It's time for us to pick up our battle axes. It's time for us to pick up our swords, our shields, put on the full armor of God because there's a battle that is going on right now. And Lord, I'm already on the winning side, but I want the enemy to get such a black eye that I bring so many more from that side to this side to see your goodness, your kingdom come, your will be done. So we're saying, Father, just be in each and every one of our hearts and our minds this morning as we leave this place. Let us know your goodness, that you're always before us, that you're always behind us, that you provide the way of escape and that you cause us to walk on dry ground. So we love you this morning. We thank you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, um, we normally have a prayer. Or let's, if you wouldn't mind, you could stand, you can hug. Before you leave, there is a prayer team. If you wouldn't mind coming up here, they're here to help and they would love to get the chance to pray with you. If you have, uh, would love to give your life to Christ for the first time or just need a little bit extra prayer today, we have a prayer team up here. If not, God bless you as you leave this week. We will see you on Wednesday for our Bible study classes and next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. But please don't leave unless you at least say hi to at least one person before you walk out the doors. God bless you guys. Have a good week and we will see you next Sunday.